you get your Bibles out this morning. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. You, you just get excited because we're going to be here for a couple days, amen, a couple weekends, amen. The book of Acts chapter, you know what I love right now? I got so much room to walk. I don't got to go up and down. I don't got to get my calisthenics on and my Stairmaster on on a Sunday morning. I can just walk right across and just keep moving. So if you thought I moved before, baby, get ready because I'm going to move a lot more now, amen. Oh, Jesus. Listen, for the last two weeks, I have been ministering on these Sunday mornings via live stream on the upper room. I have ministered to you each week on the importance of the upper room and making sure that we were ready for what was to come today. Part one, I spoke to you in the first week, I spoke to you about the expectations in the upper room and that it was time for you and I to get ready to see this promise of the Holy Spirit come to pass in our own lives. It was time to stop sitting around and playing the church and get in position so that we could become the church that he created us to be. In part two, last week, I ministered on the four keys to receiving the power, the power of the promise of the Holy Spirit that was to come, that is here. Not that we hope might show up, but that has already been delivered. Number one was that you can't be a bystander. You can't sit around and just watch it anymore. You're going to have to get in. You must be obedient to his instructions in this hour. You cannot put off what God tells you to do. You must move when he says move. Number three was you have to stop doing this by yourself. Isolation is the quickest way to separation from God. Your call, the call that God has placed on you will always include people not only around you, but to minister to. I can stand here all day and tell you I'm a pastor, but if you don't sit in the room, who am I pastoring? Your call from God will always include people. We cannot do it by ourselves. And if we have a desire to be alone, then we need to ask God where our heart for people has gone to. And number four is prayer and supplication until he comes. Prayer and humility until he comes. Prayer and humility until he comes. Not prayer when you got a problem, so you go beg God to give you something that you couldn't get yourself, hoping he'll do it for you, and then when he doesn't give it to you, walk back out of prayer and say God doesn't care. No, prayer and humility. Lay yourself on the altar of God and let him have his way in your life and seek his face on a daily basis and watch what he does. But today is finally here. What I've been preaching over the last two weeks is finally here. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and I need you to understand this. From this day forward in this house, this will be the day that we hit the reboot button to march forward. This will be the day that we as a church say, as a family, we are going to gird together, strengthen together, and run this race. This will be our New Year's resolution. This will be our New Year's. Not January 1st, Pentecost Sunday, the day the church was born, the day we were all sent out by God the day we were empowered the day the church was born a powerful day for us as believers but I need to know this morning did you come expecting anticipating believing what God was going to do next because I didn't come this morning so that we could just see each other I've missed you but seeing you was not my purpose this morning I've missed you. I've missed your faces. I've missed your laughing at my jokes. It's really hard to tell a joke on live stream and nobody responds. You don't know if people are booing you on the other side of a camera. You don't know what's going on. Oh, God, here he goes again. You don't know what's going on. And so you're trying to believe. I have missed you. I have missed your hugs. I have missed this, just the sounds of your voices in the house. But this morning, that's not what I've come for. And from this point forward, that is not what I'm coming for. 
I am coming with an expectation that the promise of the Father not only would come, but has come, and we would receive it every time we come into this house. Is anybody in this place ready to receive this thing? In order for us to do this, let's get into it. But before I get there, I need to make sure you and I are on the same page, so say this with me. God, that was weak sissy. No, I'm talking about y'all. I said, say God. God. I don't even want to say the word power because it's going to be like, meow. The Bible declares that the righteous are bold as lions. So let's try this again. Oh, God, I'm almost afraid to do it. Say this with me. Say God. God. Oh, now you're sounding like a church. Say it again. Say God. Is about, is about to do something, do something big, big in me, in me today. today. I'm, ready I'm ready to receive it. To receive it. See, see I, before I get into this, I, I need you to understand that the, the quiet, mamby-pamby, sissified, kitty cat church has got to die. We walk into church, meow. Where happened to the roar, the rumblings of the church that the world listened to to make its decisions? Uh, the church isn't consulted in this hour because we've become sissies. We are not bold and righteous. We are cowardice and hiding in the clutches of sin but claiming God on a Sunday. I told you. Just welcome back. Amen. Welcome back. The days of us playing the game are over. The days of you, I'm going to wait till Sunday to get mine, are over. You'll miss it Sunday. Because preparation happens during the weekdays to get you to the Sunday experience. Do you understand that Sundays are nothing more but a celebration of what you've done in the things of God all week long? Not just to give you a pick-me-up. Oh, God. I'm on empty. Baby, you've been on empty all week long. The fire of God comes when you seek Him, not when you just show up to church. The fire of God comes when you desire more of Him, not just attending service and checking a box and saying, look, I came to church today. The days of us calling ourselves a non-denominational church are over. We are now a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. So if anybody asks you what kind of church you go to, please do not tell them I go to a Christian church, a non-denominational church. Tell them I go to a spirit-filled, spirit-led house of God. Why? Because that's how we will be led in this hour. That's how we will move in this hour. So when we say power, power doesn't go, power. There's that song, there is power, power, wonder working power in the blood. But you know what's funny? We don't even sing that anymore. Because we don't have power anymore. We have complaints, concerns, edit, griping, murmuring, fussing, whining, complaining, hating, mumbling. There is, there is, there is, we are not declaring and decreeing. We are just hoping and waiting, hoping and waiting, hoping and waiting. The disciples didn't go to the upper room on, in Acts 2, hoping that the Spirit of God would come. They had a promise. They went with determination. They went with expectation. They went with anticipation. They went ready to receive what God would pour out. Not, oh, I hope he'll show up today. I wasn't ready. 
God, I don't understand why John over here got the spirit, but I didn't get anything. I don't, they're just weird. No, they're not weird. They're just connected. Okay. All right. Sidebars. Got to get off from book of Acts chapter two. Go to verse one. Lord, help me today. Y'all better, y'all better keep me on time because I don't know what we're going to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs> keep me on time. That's a funny joke in the church. Amen. <laughs> Acts chapter two, verse one, it says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all, all, all with one accord, one accord and in one place. Okay. Can I give this to you real quick? Do not expect to go to that level in God if sitting home is the top of your priority list. Well, I just don't feel like going to church today. I guess you don't feel like getting from God today, do you? I will go back and read it one more time. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in the same mindset. In one place. Forsake not the gathering of the brethren in one accord. I'm going to say this to you with love. I have had an issue with this for years. One of the reasons why I hated to go on live with Facebook and YouTube is because it gives people an excuse to just stay home. But those of you that are watching that are staying home, I understand why you're doing it in this hour. But there are people that will use this as an excuse just to be lazy and get up later. Not realizing the power of the gathering when we come together and celebrate the goodness of God in the land of the living. To be encouraged, to be strengthened, to love on each other, to celebrate each other as we have a common ground. And that is that the true and living God lives and dwells on the inside of each of us. Let me help you with this again. If we are expecting an outpouring of God in this hour, you and I must stop making excuses why we cannot. And I'm going to say it. And if you did it today, I get it. But I want to say it. I'm going to show up late. I'm going to show up when I want to. I'm going to not show up to church. I'll get it next week. I'll catch it on live stream in three hours because I want to keep hitting the snooze button. Stop being lazy on the things of God and get to the upper room so that the Spirit of God can pour out on you and your family. Stop sitting around and complaining why you can't get it, why everybody else seems to get it. Why do they get used? Why does God use them as vessels? Why is God pouring out in them and not in me? Because we have become complacent in our walk. I believe in the church. I believe in the gathering. I believe in the assembly of us as believers so that we might be empowered to go out and do greater things than we did today. We were in one place, in one accord. This even speaks to the moment that we're in right now. The day of Pentecost come when they were in one accord and in one place, not segregated, separated, and racist. Mm, Jesus. But if we would just stop all the foolishness and understand that God has called us to love each other, regardless of whether we like it or not, then, then that promise will fulfill its, its duty. It goes on in verse 2. It says, and suddenly... Somebody say suddenly. suddenly. Come on, you're going to have to be power with me now. Because from this point forward, if I say say something, don't. Suddenly. Don't do it. Because I'll call you out every time. Somebody say suddenly. suddenly. Shake your neighbor and say suddenly. suddenly. Some of y'all didn't shake your neighbor. Don't look. I can still see you. <laughs> Rebellion in the house of God is under witchcraft. Don't do it. Shake them. Say suddenly. suddenly. Some of y'all ain't had a suddenly in years. Hey. 
We were talking about this morning with, with Paul blowing the shofar and, 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 and declaring. Y'all, y'all know that's a call to worship, right? Somebody said, Pastor, you going to describe it? Nope. I'm just going to hit him with it. Whack. I know some of y'all are like, what in the world is going on? Then all of a sudden, I'm in the back, and I can hear the rumblings of the room starting to go up like this. Everybody's like, oh! I could hear it on the video back there. Because here's the truth of it. We're not going to be quiet. We're not going to be silent anymore. And suddenly... Come on, some of y'all need a suddenly right now. Some of y'all been needing a suddenly for two and a half months. I need a, I need a suddenly with all four of my children. Amen. <laughs> suddenly, the winds of God picked them up and moved them to another room. <laughs> and peace swept the house. Ah, we, baby, right? We have needed a suddenly. <laughs> Woo! We were talking about going on vacation. She said, can we leave them here? I said, they would kill us. You know that, right? <laughs> they would already start planning our demise in the old folks' home when we're old. Remember that day that mom and dad went to Florida after the pandemic, and they left us at home, and they went off and, and enjoyed themselves? Oh, we got plans for them. No, we know better. Okay. We have to expect a suddenly, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole... What? Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to use that in this moment because we are the house. But I was reading and studying this. They don't actually have a depiction that the, the disciples were in the synagogue or in the temple. They, they, what, what, what they have studied and believed is they were in a house, in a room of a house. Now, those houses back in there was like one big room, right? But they were in a house all in one accord. But they said that the house was in the vicinity or next to or close to proximity, the house of God, the temple of God. So they didn't separate it from the house of God. They were in the same proximity. So what I'm saying to you is, is that this wind came and filled the house where they were sitting. Let me give this to you real quick. The reference to wind is significant. The word for spirit is pneuma. It is related, and I'm going to mess this word up, to no, P-N-O-E or noe. I'm, I'm probably messing up, Paul. You can correct me later because I'm jacking that word up. The word translated here is the word wind. It also means breath. Both nouns, spirit and wind, or breath, are from the, word, from the verb theo, to blow or to breathe. The sound, like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven, points to the power of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of His coming. So let me say this to you. On the day of Pentecost, God was breathing life into the church. Do you understand that up until that moment, the church had not been born. It was anticipated. It was proclaimed. It was said that one day this will happen. But in this moment is when the church came alive. It received the breath of God. And the same way the breath, He breathed life into the earth, He has breathed life into each one of you with the same power and fervency that he breathed life into the church on the day of Pentecost. He has breathed his fresh breath of life into you. Y'all missing that right now. That right there was enough for me to run around the house a couple times. Do you mean to tell me that the breath of God that breathes in me is the same power that God breathed into the day of Pentecost? And the power of God and the promise, it lives on the inside of me. It dwells in this vessel. Do you understand how crazy that is? That the power of God lives in me. It lives in you. God was breathing life into the church. This breath is not a goosebump. Oh, Jesus. Mm, oh, I feel the spirit. I feel him. I feel him. You see that? I feel him. 
This breath is not a goosebump feeling. It is the awakening that we desperately need in order to be used by God and to fulfill his purpose in the earth. And there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Could you imagine what the church would sound like if we all breathed in one accord? <laughs> you missing it? You think you heard stuff? It'll shake the earth. It'll shake the foundation of things that are coming against you. It'll shake the struggles. But the problem is we're not breathing in one accord anymore. We're breathing on different accords, many dominations. Listen, culture is not just separated and segregated. The church is too. We're not breathing in one accord. We're breathing on our own personalities and opinions. See, the Bible says to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It doesn't say love him in a certain way. It says love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It doesn't say love him to a certain denomination. It doesn't say love him to a certain preacher. It says love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If, we, if we're all doing that, aren't we, can't we be on the same page? It goes on in verse 3. It says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat up on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm going to say something right here this moment, and it's going to change the room real fast. <laughs> Pastor, I don't like that speaking in tongues stuff. <laughs> y'all felt the room get tight, didn't y'all? It's like, oh, God, here he goes. He's going to talk about it. No, don't do it, preacher. Don't do it. Don't say it. The Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit is not, now watch, I'm going to hit you with this, is not <laughs> just speaking in tongues. The Bible says it is evidence, but it is not, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Okay, so I'm going to say it to you real quick. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues, but you will limit the Holy Spirit if you are not willing to step into it. That help you a little bit? And you go, Pastor, I, I just, it's just a bunch, I watched a guy on, the, we watched a lot of internet stuff over the last couple of weeks, and I watched a preacher get on there, and he says, I'm not going to sit there, and, and, and my people are like, yabba, 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 what is that going to do? And the Bible says that you shall not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And I went, hell is hot, brother, run, 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 pack your bags and move. To a climate that is as close to hell as possible so you can get ready. But what we've done in the church is we have done this. Now watch. And I'm probably not going to get through all this today. You'll have to come back next week. Amen. Because you're going to come anyway. Amen. So this is what God began to show me over these last few weeks concerning the Holy Spirit. Is, is that we, as a church, we like the idea of God, but we have daddy issues. We like the idea of Jesus, but he's just a brother. We can dismiss him. And the Holy Spirit is that weird element that I'm just not touching. Do you understand that if you can reject Holy Spirit, then you have must reject, you must reject God and Jesus altogether. Jesus died on the earth for the remission of sins. Amen? He died for you and I and the remission of sin. At the end of his tenure... At the end of his mission, 
he tells the disciples, I'm ascending to the right hand of the Father, which says, I have completed my task on earth. And he goes on to say, go and wait and pray. For there is a promise from the Father, which is the same thing Jesus was. There is a promise from the Father that is to come that will take you to the next level. But yet the church is still stuck looking up at the sky watching Jesus leave. You know, I just wish he'd even come back. God, how's he going to wait? I, no, Holy Spirit, I don't want to talk to you. I just want Jesus. The church has stalemated at the ascension of Jesus. Because we are more enamored by demonstrations than we are of the consuming power of God. We are more consumed over here. Dance, monkey, dance. Give me what I want. And if you don't, you're not a big God. As opposed to that the, what you seek is not, it's been over here the whole time. But to get the church to move from that moment to this moment does not neglect God or Jesus. It moves you into the next phase and the next position for you to be used by God in this hour. But we're still over here going, but God and Jesus, God and Jesus, God and Jesus. No Holy Spirit. No wonder the church has a problem with speaking in tongues. Because we have not moved ourselves over. Okay, I'm going to get to it and I'll prove it to you. It says, it says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now you understand this is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. This is after, this is in the covenant of grace. This is our the scriptures that lead us into the move that we're walking in now. And so if you want to put that, well, that, that was for yesterday. No, you're crazy because what happened yesterday is for me today. Okay. The fire represents the presence of God and it sat upon them. They didn't go to it. It came to them individually. This was not a corporate outpouring. It was a personal outpouring. The wind and the fire was the breath and the presence of God through the Holy Spirit to wake them from their slumber and launch them into their next season or mission. So let me go back over here for a second. If you stand in this hour and go, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't understand why everybody gets picked more than me. I don't understand why I'm not used by God. I'm not understanding why. Blah, 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 blah. I will tell you why you're stuck. Because you will not move over here to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which gives you power to go do. No, I just I want to complain over here because it's easier to complain and be mad because I'm not getting what I want. Wah. Did you hear me, God? Wah. Are you kidding me? Get your behind over here. Lift up your hands and receive what he wants to bring to you so that he might use you. The only thing that is holding you is you. You don't need my permission to declare the kingdom of God. Get up and do it. Jesus. Welcome back. It goes on in that scripture. Says, it says that others were amazed and perplexed because they were speaking in other languages and the people from other lands could understand them in their own language. But Acts chapter 2 verse 13 says, others mocking said they are full of new wine. The New Living Translation says it like this, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. 
Okay. It's going to get a little, a little bit tight for a second. Do not try to mix the carnal with the spirit. In today's culture, we have watered down the gospel and torn down the power of the cross with our carnality. Okay, I'm going to go with that. That was a good amen point for me right there. In today's culture, we have watered down the gospel and torn down the power of the cross with our carnality. We have dimmed the lights because we love darkness. We've removed doctrine. We've removed biblical truth. We no longer preach the cross, sin, and repentance, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, prayer, divine healing, deliverance, and the rapture of the church. We have allowed our carnal thoughts to water this movement, this promise, down until it has become an afterthought to most believers, if even thought of it all. We have dismissed it because it's easier to shrug off what we cannot understand. Sit in our stuff and complain about what God hasn't or isn't doing instead of embracing the promise and receiving the power that comes with it. This is not about you getting a goosebump. This is your empowering moment. This is your get up off your blessed assurance and do something for the kingdom of God. Sitting in church does not make you saved. But those who endure till the end shall be. Endurance means you are running the race. Goes on to verse 14. Somebody say, help me, preacher. Help me, preacher. But Peter, standing up with the 11, raised it. Oh, here he comes. That bold is a lion spirit. I like it when Peter gets in this moment. Peter goes, hold up, time out. I made my mistakes. I screwed up. I denied Jesus three times. But wait, wait, wait. I'm going to make up for it right here. Hold on. Raised his voice. Didn't go. But raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, which means it was 9 o'clock in the morning. Because the morning starts at 6 a.m. But this is what was spoken by the prophet prophet Joel. I might run. I don't know. Y'all going to pray that I don't fall. Amen. It says in verse 17, and it shall come to pass. What? Help me, Jesus. In what? In what? In the last days that I will pour out my spirit on who? So it's not reserved for a special group, is it? It's reserved for all of us. But you got to accept it. (laughs) You got to want it. You might have to get into your upper room and wait for it. But it's now available. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now watch. And I'm stuck in this space because it was prophesied by the prophet of Joel before this moment, and it shall come to pass in what? The last days. So if anyone wants to ask you, pastor or you, say, hey, are we in the last days? Yes, we are. We, we have been in the last days since Jesus left the earth. You all understand that? Man does not know the day, the hour, or the time of Christ's return. Do not put a time clock on it. Do not try to figure it out. You are going to kill yourself trying to do it, and you'll probably miss the rapture trying to do it. Because you will position yourself in a clock, not in the place of the upper room to wait for the presence of God. Okay, which is a whole other sermon that I ain't going to get into on our whole hour and a half church services. Amen. And some of y'all catch exactly where I'm going right there. He says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Here it comes. Here it comes. Your sons and daughters. How many of y'all got kids that are lost? What does your Bible say? I got so much promise on the inside of me, I want to run around the building just a couple of times just for my kids. He says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. 
Your old men shall dream dreams, which speaks to generational things in the house of God. Which you cannot have an outpouring of the Spirit of God without the younger and the older. If you omit the older generation, you have omitted the pillars of the house, and the house will always crumble. People go, I don't want to cater to the old folk. Then just close your doors. Because the Spirit of God will not dwell there. Because the only thing it will dwell is a, dwell is a feel good of production. He says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall... I don't care when your kids are lost right now. Your word says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. In other words, they will hear from God. So if you've got a missing loved one, a lost, a lost kid right now, claim your word rather than your opinions and your emotion. God, your word says that if I'm in position to receive the Holy Spirit, if I'm in the position to receive it and walk in that power then I get to walk in this scripture that says in the last days, in the last days, that it won't miss them, that it will get them even on their deathbed. And their sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And in verse 18, it says, and on my maidservants and on, I'm sorry, on my men servants and maidservants, which means that it does not discriminate. Hmm. Even what you think is the lowliest can walk in the same anointing you're walking in. Well, that's for the the pastor. Are you dumb? That's for the preacher, the man of God. Can I just say this is a quick sidebar? My staff knows this really well. Do not ever, as long as you're breathing and you attend this church, refer to me as a man of God. The word of puts me in equal position with God. I am a man after God. I am a man under God. And if you call me that, it will not offend me. But if you say, oh, the man of God, shut up. Because I do not put myself at the throne room at the same level playing field with the God that I serve. I am underneath his authority and his covering. I am not a man of God. I am a man after God. And it is my pursuit of God that causes me to endure till the end. Okay, that was a sidebar. He says, I will pour out my spirit in those days in verse 18, and they shall prophesy. In verse 19, it says, I will show wonders in heaven above. And signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun, here it comes. If you just open your eyes long enough, it might blow your mind. And the sun shall be turned into darkness. And the moon into what? Have you seen that yet? Y'all think I'm playing? You think I wrote this? It's been in your Bible long before you came to this earth. And this is part of that last days. Now, please, can I just tell you something? You should be celebratory of the last days, not fearful of the last days. Do you understand what has to happen in the last days? First of all, there is a great awakening. There is a great outpouring. There is a great revival. There's a great harvest. And then there's the rapture of the church. And then there's a remnant that's left behind for another move. Whatever it is, get excited about it. Oh, God, are you post-trib, pre-trib, up-trib, down-trib, this-trib, that-trib? Shut up. I'm going to work until he comes. I'm going to labor in the field until he comes. I'm not going to slow down. I'm going to put my hand to the plow. We're going to keep tilling the field. I'm going to do it until he comes, until he comes and relieves me. And here's the thing. I guarantee I'm not going to go dig up what he gave me and give it back to him the way he gave it to me. I'm going to give him with interest. God, you gave it to me. This is what we did. Because I don't want to walk into heaven and think I got it all together. And he goes, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. 
you prideful, arrogant person that I gave all of my spirit to, yet you went and hid it because you were afraid of losing it. I gave it to you to pour it out so that others might receive who I am. God says, get up, let's go. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day. The great and awesome. Not the, oh my God, I'm so afraid that there's going to be so many problems. Oh my God. Oh God. What God do you serve? I serve a God that says no harm shall come to my dwelling. I serve a God that says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Shh, I'm good. He goes on in verse 21 says, It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls, not, not whines, not complains, not mumbles, not murmurs, but who calls. Who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved goes on through a little more scripture that Peter begins to declare the gospel to those that were listening, those that had not received this power yet. He begins to declare the gospel because without the gospel, you can't receive the power. Hello. He begins to share about Jesus and what he came and did for each one of them. And in verse 37, he says this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Mm. When was the last time you were cut to the heart by the gospel? Just because you have Christ doesn't mean the gospel stops cutting. The gospel still affects me to this day. If I stood here for the next 15 minutes and walked you through the crucifixion of Christ, I would pray that most of you would be in tears. But we as a culture have been so desensitized that we're not even moved by the gospel anymore. You know, we're moved by production. We're moved by lights and cameras. We're moved by, by stage presentations. We're moved by how loud or how crazy the preacher might be or how uh, exciting he is. Rather than I'm moved by the gospel because the gospel changed me forever. You cannot save the lost with the church. You must save them with the gospel. You want to know why the churches are not as full as they used to be? Because we are not reaching people with the gospel. We're reaching people with our productions. But you can have production with the gospel, but you cannot eliminate the gospel in the production. Does that make sense what I'm telling you? So we have to have the gospel have to be, has to be the forefront of our existence. It has to be the thing. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the rest, um, and, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Listen, if the gospel can't pierce your heart, you will never share it with others because you have no firsthand knowledge of what it is capable of doing. If the gospel hasn't pierced your heart and changed you, you can't share it with others because it will have no fruit because it hasn't changed you yet. The sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit only becomes hard when we either stop walking in it or refuse to accept it. Okay, watch. In my wallet, I have a card. that has a credit limit on it. Decent credit limit on it. Praise the Lord. There's a decent credit limit on it. If, if I'm, okay, I'll pull out two just in case. I had two. Some of y'all got way more than what I got right now. <laughs> I need to cut that mess out. I got two credit cards. I know what's on these cards. You don't know what's on these cards, but I do. I know what these cards are capable of doing. For who? For me. For my family. I know the power of these cards. If I hand these cards to you, you have no idea. They could be zero. 
but I have an understanding of what's in this. So I've got these cards that have power. I've got these cards. Do you want to see it? But in order to see it, you got to believe what I'm about to tell you. And you got to go with boldness into the store and swipe the card, believing that what I told you is on this card is actually on this card. Right. Well, it won't work with you in a second. So you got to swipe it without fear. <laughs> well, I, I hope that it's there. <laughs> I hope Pastor wasn't playing me, trying to make me look stupid in this store. <laughs> oh, God, please. Oh, can I be honest with you? That's how we approach God. God, I'm going to put it. God, please don't, don't fail me. Oh, God, don't, don't walk out on me. I've got these cards. I know what's in it. I want you want to see it because some of us are going to go, man, I could probably use what's on that card. Problem is you probably use it for things you don't need. Amen. Uh, but, but I know I have these, and I know what I can do. It, it belongs to me. Why is it that we do not treat God the same way? If God dwells in us, why is it that we keep swiping heaven as if we hope that it might come to pass instead of understanding that because of Christ and because of God and because of the Holy Spirit that when you put a demand on that sucker, it always shows up. Oh God, I don't hope oh, there's no, no, there is no deficit in the kingdom of God. There is no deficit in heaven. There is only deficit in your thoughts and in your emotions. Stop swiping your life on your opinions and your emotions and swipe it on the things of heaven and let his currency be downloaded into you and let the power of God manifest on you. Oh, I've been waiting to preach this message. My God. So what do we do now? Pastor, I want the power. I, I want your credit card, Pastor. My wife's like, you better put them back in your wallet. I ain't playing with you. Because in my house, my wife runs the finances. Do you think I'm weak because of that? Suck it up. I know how my wife works, and that makes a good marriage right there. Amen. That's how my house runs. Amen. So what do we do now? Where do we go from here? Well, let me give it to you real quick. It's very easy. And this will lay it out for you right here. In verse 38, he says, then Peter said to them, what? Do what? Oh, Jesus. Remember when the pandemic started? Remember the first message I started preaching was repentance. God put that in my spirit. He said, tell them they better go repent. They better go repent, and they better live a lifestyle of repentance. Repentance is not a moment that you come to the altar and hope all your pain goes away. Repentance is a daily occurrence. Daily, I lay myself at the foot of the cross. Daily, I carry the cross that God's called me to, not my, my junk. I lay down the burdens of my life. I cast them at the feet of, of Christ, and I walk in this thing that he's called me to walk in. I repent of my sins. Do you understand that we all make mistakes? We have all fallen short of the glory of God, and the way back in is through repentance. Repentance is not a one-time deal. Once saved, always saved is a lie that the church started telling people, because if you actually believe that, then you do not have a desire to stay in the authority of God. You will place yourself outside of the umbrella. Well, God, I did it once. You just should know. God says, no, if you repent and you come under me, you must stay under me. Because if you go back outside, you have put yourself back in the world. Stay under the confines of God. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my, my stepdad said it to me this way, and, and I've, it's something I've always remembered. I, I made a mistake when I was, I was dumb. I was dumb. I was a teenager. I was dumb. I, I decided to take one of my friend's cards. I didn't take it. I borrowed it. Let me rephrase that. I did not steal my friend's car at school. Uh, but I decided to skip first period and go and pick up donuts for a bunch of my friends. Okay? 
And in the process of me taking and skipping first class, I went to the donut place and I went to turn into the donut shop and the car, the entire gear or the entire wheel shaft that was steering shaft locked up. And I had two choices, semi truck or take out the truck in front of me. So I took out the truck in front of me. Still to this day, I can replay the guy's face as I'm headed right at him. He's like, whoa, unbelts. I don't know how he did. He unbelted, leaped to the other side of the truck before I hit his truck. I was like, that man's a genius. But I remember coming home, and what was funny was is that I had just been placed on insurance the day before. Thank the Lord. Shut up. I still had to pay, but, but thank the Lord. I didn't, yeah, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But my dad said the statement to me that day. He said, Brian, my responsibility is to give you an umbrella. But for some reason, you like to live dangerously on the outside of that thing, praying that rain will never come. And then when you get wet, you get hurt because you got wet. When I gave you an umbrella to stand under that would have protected you. Like I'm trying to help you here. You cannot expect not to get wet if you keep walking outside of his cover. Repent. Repentance is a lifestyle. It is a way of life. Every day I go to God. God, whatever's in me, get it out. Whatever I've done that might have grieved your spirit, God, remove it from me because I want it out. I don't want it to roadblock me. God, if I can be better as a husband, help me to be better as a husband. If I can be better as a father, help me to be better as a father. If I can be more loving, help me to be more loving. If I've got stupid opinions and stupid emotions, take them from me because I'm tired of carrying them. God, whatever you got to do in me, do it now. Change me from the inside out. I don't go repent for my wife. I repent for Brian. So he says, Peter said to them, then listen, you want to change this? Repent. And in verse 38, he says, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I got some word on this one. Pastor Ben, you might as well come because if you don't come, why are we going to be another 45 minutes? Because when I read this one, this one literally almost made me ran out of the building. Peter said, repent. Good. Glad you came to the altar. You repented. Now get baptized. I don't want to get baptized. Oh, is that water cold? Is it warm? Who cares? I don't know what's in that pool. I don't like that idea. Shut up and get in the pool. Watch, watch, watch. He says, he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So would that be, would I be safe to say that when I've told people over the years that if you've gotten dirty again, get back in the pool? Oh, no. You only get baptized one time. You liar. If I get bathed and I go back in the mud and play, am I still clean? I am now what? Dirty all over again. But yet the pool is still living and breathing with the presence of God ready to receive me to wash away the dirtiness of my own existence. He says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So in other words, repent, be baptized. Wait, wait, here it comes, here it comes. And in verse 28, in verse 38, the last part, it says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance, baptism is the precursor to the receiving of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I get coaches when I talk about this. So we've been crying out, God, pour out your spirit. And there's a bunch of people that are still in sin and have not been baptized yet. Crying out for the Holy Spirit. God, pour out your spirit. God, pour out your spirit. But you didn't do what I told you to do first. Repent of your sins and be baptized. Because it positions you to receive the Holy Spirit. It puts you in proper position. We are not the church that says, hey, it's baptized, baptism Sunday, come get in the water. Hey, I hope you feel better. 
Do you, you, some of you have never seen what happens down that hall. I, 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 I've only witnessed it once because I'm usually up here, but I've heard of people that go down that hall and they can't leave. They turn the corner and weeping and crying because they feel it coming on them. It's just overtaking them. Had one guy tell me, he said, Pastor, when I got baptized, I just, I wanted to hug Kirk and I didn't even know why. Just wanted to hold him. He said, I've never felt that in my life. I've never felt that immense love in my life. He said, I know what to do with myself. I've, had, I've heard people go down the hall and just lean up against the wall and just can't move. What is that? Oh, it's just emotion. Mm-mm. Why do we teach the baptism class before baptism? Because we want you to understand that there is an expectation to baptism. It is not just get in the water and feel better and, oh, look, my hair's wet and I, I feel fresh. It is that when you come out, you are now in the proper position to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we talk about it back there. We tell them, listen, go in that water expecting it's coming. And if you believe, you shall receive. I'm almost done. I'm sorry. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the fullness of the promise. You can accept God and Jesus without the Holy Holy Spirit. It isn't complete. No wonder we're still wandering in the desert as a church. We haven't received the promise. We haven't received the power. The power that gives us the ability to not only experience His fullness, but walk in our calling to go and make disciples. Last verse. This is the power moment. God, I thought all that was powerful. This to me is the power moment. You ready for this? Verse 39. Watch this. This gets funky. For the promise... Catch this in a minute. The promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. As many as the Lord our God will call. Can I give you another space? As many that are in his earshot. Do you understand that when God spoke, the universe was created? And basically what that scripture said is as many as can hear the sound of his voice. I hold on to this verse where it says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. I found out this week that I, me, Brian, am the catalyst, the conduit to the outpouring in my family. You a pastor, it's on your wife too. I get it, but I'm taking responsibility for my part. I am the catalyst and conduit of the promise of God. For that power dwells in me. And if that power dwells in me, it is now unto my children. And to any family member who might be afar off or friend that might be afar off. But I have to be willing to walk in the promise. You will not... Reach those that are lost if you refuse the Holy Spirit. You cannot go, I'm just going to hold on God and Jesus. I don't want that stuff over there. You, 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 you don't have the full package. You have missing elements. It's like getting a Happy Meal and not getting the fries. Are you satisfied? No. You want the dang fries. 
The other day, I bought my daughter a Happy Meal. We get all the way back to the church. She opens it. It's got a toy and french fries. She looks at me and goes, Dad, they didn't give me a cheeseburger. She was dissatisfied. She had expectations that when I open up the box, my food will be there. When she opened it, someone let them down. Here's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. He'll never do it. You won't only open up the Happy Meal and have a double cheeseburger in that bad boy. He'll take away the apple slices and give you extra fries. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about right now. But do you understand that Jesus is like McDonald's? He's a gift that keeps on giving. Let me explain to you why. You know when you run out of french fries and you look back in that bag and there's like seven more back in the bottom of that bag? You're like, praise the Lord, I got seven more. Let's go. And the church said, amen. What promise are you walking in right now? In this hour, in this moment, this day, this house will never be the same. And I don't say that as a... Ooh, this house will never be the same. I'm telling you, you won't be able to stand in this atmosphere and be the same. The shifting of this house has already started. Be prepared, because it's going to throw you for a loop. Put your agendas, your thoughts, your opinions on the side, and please understand that we are walking and following God and we are going to see this promise come to pass. The Holy Spirit will not be a visitation. It will be something we live under. We will never in this house go, God, send your spirit ever again. We will walk in this house and go, God, thank you for sending your spirit. We have now walked into the glory cloud. And we will always stay in this space. We will not walk out and call it a visitation. That, oh, God. I got so much in me. You have to sit down with me on a private time and just hear all the stuff. But we were talking about this the other day, and I, I really felt this. We've seen revivals in our land multiple times. And we've always wondered, why didn't they stay? What happened to them? Where'd they go? Where did the Azusa Street Revival go? Well, they, they labeled that man a crazy because he was sold out. But you've had other outpours. You had the Brownsville Revival. You had, and you go, well, they're just for a season. Are you crazy? Revival is not for a season. Revival changes the life of people. If revival is for a season, then it is emotion driven. Could you imagine if we would have stayed as a church with the same power of the day of Pentecost up until now? Do do you understand what we'd look like? Just think about this for a second. That was the first revival. Do you understand that? The first ever recorded revival that took place was on that day. Because not only the Spirit of God come, but it was 5,000 was added the next day, 3,000 day after that. The church was reformed. Like it went nuts. Not, there was already believers that believed in Christ. But then all of a sudden, the church got activated. The people of God, you, got activated and started going telling folk. Stop ignoring their problems and bring the source and the solution to their problems. Hey, I got Jesus and the Holy Spirit and let, let's get this in you because, man, this will change your life forever. And 5,000 added the next day, 3,000 the following day. Where now we're seeing thousands leave the church, pastors quit because they can't keep their lives right. They choose sin over a savior. They go reprobate. We watch flocks fall apart. Watch churches empty. Why? I'm telling you this. 
because we have abandoned Holy Spirit. We've abandoned him. We have chosen a crucified Jesus over the power that came once he ascended. Because it's easy to say I lost something than I said received something. Because we are a culture birthed on loss rather than promise. And from this day forward, this house will be a house of promise. So when you come in this house, you better come expecting. Because you won't sit here comfortably long. And I'm going to say this to you. God, i got to be careful to say this, but I want to say this to you. This is the word God gave me. And in these hours, these last couple months, God has been saying things to me I didn't want to hear. But he said to me, he said, Brian, not everyone will go with you. That grieves my heart. That's, that saddens me to a deep level. He said, but Brian, not everyone will go where you're going. But know that I sent you. And he gave me that scripture, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall be saved. So let's, as a family, let's just go ahead and commit today, May 31st, the day of the end of the pandemic. I'm just going to say it, whether you want to hear it or not. Pastor, it's still out there. So is the flu. Shh. The day of the end of the pandemic. The day that we finally step from the crucified Savior to the promise of the Holy Spirit and choose to be led by the Spirit of God. That's where I want to be. I believe with all of my heart the fivefold ministry is being restored to the church again. The fivefold, the full fivefold. Not just one that we like because it feels good, like the full fivefold ministry. Get ready. Because the church you're about to experience is not a church you've ever heard about or seen. It is the church that was written about in the book of Acts that we're finally going to walk into. Because the churches we've built over the last thousands of years do not even look like this scripture. I can't even get to the bottom of Acts chapter 2 yet. I'm just, I'm just touching the surface. You have to come back next week and find out what this church looks like and sounds like. And breathes like. Because I'm telling you, if you won't line up with this word at this time, you're going to miss it. And I refuse. I told God at the beginning, I refuse to miss what you're about to do. I will empty the seats in this house and not miss it. I am not going to go silent in this moment. We will be a voice that declares the power and the kingdom of God over everything. We will break stereotypes. We will break the structure of the culture. And we will see God be glorified in this house, in your homes, in your neighborhoods, on your jobs. And what we will see is we will see thousands added to the church. You cannot sit silently anymore. We will walk. We will do this together. Everybody stand up. I'm going to do it just... Just like this, just like this. Grab the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. Stretch across the aisles if you got to, but grab the hand of the neighbor standing next to you. If you're clammy-handed, suck it up. All right. Grab those hands. Give them a little, give them a little squeeze. Amen. Give them a little squeeze. I know y'all church folk. Y'all like, like power. <laughs> ah, look how strong I am. Ah. They're like, I ain't holding your hand. I ain't sitting next to you ever again. Come church by yourself next time. 
Okay. If you sit in this room right now, and there is sin in your heart. I'm not asking for heads bowed, eyes closed, none of that. If you say right now in this moment, there is sin in your life that you know you have to repent for. If you've got a hand on your left or your right, I just want you to give it a nudge and say, that's me. Watch what I'm about to do. Some of y'all got squeezed. Did you feel it? Oh. Some of y'all didn't squeeze because you're afraid of being judged. You will live under that judgment until you repent. Got it? You've got a little bit of sin in you. It's okay. Watch. Squeeze that hand. I got a little sin. If your hand got squeezed right there, will you do me a favor and just lift that hand? Mm. Oh, but Pastor, I don't want them to know. Stop. I didn't do this to display your sin. I did this to show you that you're not alone. I did this to show you that when you're down, there is someone standing next to you that says, I got you. I'm with you. This is how the day of Pentecost launches. That we stop going, oh, you're a sinner. But hey, bro, I got you. I'm with you. I know it's tough, but I'm with you. Now, instead of me doing an altar call and you come and run to the altar, we're all going to get saved right now. Pastor, I'm saved. Well, it doesn't hurt to pray the prayer all over again. It ain't going to kill you. So we're going to pray it. You ready? Say God. God. Oh, nope. Y'all did it again. Y'all going to learn real fast around here. Say God. God. I'm a sinner. Because what we usually do is say, I'm a sinner, and then explain why we're a sinner. Say it again. Say, God. God I'm, a I'm a sinner who needs you, who needs you as, my as my Savior. So this morning, so this morning I open up my heart. Up my heart. Come, home. Come home. I invite you. To clean out the dark places, the hidden spaces, the pain, the trauma of my heart. Today, I want to be free. I receive you as my king. Today, I acknowledge and embrace a crucified Savior, but a risen, a risen King. Today, I'm forgiven. Today, I'm transformed. Today, I'm changed. Today, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I am snapping the eraser off of that pencil. I will not I refuse to be removed from his presence and his power. Today, I submit my life, my family, every fiber of my being. I give it to God and say, do, Lord. Do, Lord. Do, Lord. What only you can do. Say this, say God. God. Today, Today, I will stop stop. sky gazing, -gazing. watching the clouds. clouds. And I will move myself myself into position position to receive receive the power, the the promise promise 
of Holy Spirit. Today, I'm ready. Now is the time. I'm never going to look back. I'm marching forward. We are marching forward. One people, one family, one house. As we love God and love people to the best of what you've placed on the inside of us. In Jesus' name. Now watch this. Look at your neighbor. Watch. Without any reservation, you can now look at everyone in this room and say this without any question. I am saved. You feel that? Without any reservation inside of you, you can look at anybody in this room and go, I'm going to heaven. You, God, that hit me like a freight train right there. I'm going to heaven. I just want to jump off the stage, but I might break an angle, so I ain't going to do it. I'm going to heaven. I don't, but now you got to maintain it. That means tomorrow morning when you get up, don't put yourself back in hell. Keep pursuing heaven. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. And this upper room experience will change you forever. Can I ask you to do something for me this week? And I'm not asking for the numbers of this room. I'm going to ask you to go and share what was declared in this room today with somebody this week. And don't call somebody who was in the room already. That's lazy Christianity. That's foolishness. Tell somebody. And can I ask you to do me a favor? Fill the seat next to you next week. If we really are going to receive Holy Spirit in this moment, then 5,000 will be added to the church next Sunday. 3,000 a day after that. And the house of God will be filled again. Not emptied. But it is our responsibility, mine and yours. It is not my responsibility to give you a good enough show so that it attracts people. It is our responsibility to take the gospel from this place and declare it. And when Peter declared it to those who had not received Holy Spirit, it says that at that moment they asked, what, what, what must we do? They said, repent, be baptized. They did those things, and the gift of the Holy Spirit fell on them too. Why can't we do just that? So just as a sidebar, from this point forward, starting today, every Sunday the baptism will be open. From this moment... We will not reserve Baptism Sunday to a special event on a Sunday. You don't even need to see what's happening. They are going to get in there and come out changed. The baptism, we talked with the whole team. We said from this point forward, everybody that wants to get in can get in. If you show up on a Sunday, get saved, you said, I'm not going home. I'm getting wet in the clothes I walked in this door with. We will get you in that pool. You might go home sopping wet, but it might be better than the way you walked in the door. If you want to be baptized, you can sign up every Sunday. Starting today, you can sign up for baptism. Why? Because I'm believing we're about to see an outborn. Holy Spirit's going to hit this house like it's never have. You better buckle your seatbelt and get ready for the wildest ride of your life. Because I'm believing that the things that I've seen growing up as a believer, I I want to get into it because it will mess you up. Because I've seen some stuff. That those things that I've seen are just a glimmer of what God wants to do. I've always believed that this house would be a house of miracles. That hospitals would call us and say, we, we've heard that there is a healing mantle in that house and we don't know what to do with clinically dying people. Can we bring them to your church? Wheel them suckers in. 
And we'll watch them pick up their bed of affliction and walk right back out that doggone door. I believe that signs. Baby, have we not been talking about this? You know what my wife wants to see? My wife wants to see all y'all get slain in the spirit. She does. She's laughing. She's like, I can't believe you told her that. What she wants you to do is experience that power. That, oh, Jesus, there it went. We're believing for all of that. Welcome to a spirit-filled church. Lift your hands. Father, it's for me. I'm taking it home with me. God, be with us today. Lead us this day. Lead us. Lead us to a place of rest today. Take us home. Give us rest. And bring us back tonight ready for revival to break free in this house. For an outpouring to pour out like never before. Because, God, we have stepped from one season to the next phase that you have for us. So, God, give us the rest. But bring us back in courage, strengthened, ready, anticipating, not hoping believing with expectation that you are going to do something miraculous in our midst. Father, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.